Welcome to the teacher and the preacher. This program is all about the importance of coming to understand that the Christian community and the Jewish community have more in common than we have been led to believe. Rather than seeing each other as against each other, we need to come to a point of seeing that the statement that our country is a Judeo-Christian nation is much more than just a mere statement, but truly reflects the reality of our nation as it was and should remain. Every week there will be an interesting dialogue about the issues that have divided Jews and Christians and how we can move in bridging the gaps and see that by talking about the issues, we can better move in the direction of having more unity. Unity that will heal and help bring together a nation that is under attack by the forces of atheism, secularism, and a breakdown of family values. Join us now for a discussion between the teacher and the preacher. Hey, welcome to The Teacher and the Preacher. We're so glad you joined us this week. I'm the preacher, Dave McGarra. And I'm the teacher, Harold Berman. And it's that time of year again. A few weeks ago, our listeners who are with us know we did a show on the uh, holidays in the Torah of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, uh, the New Year, Jewish New Year, what's called the Jewish New Year, uh, and the Day of Atonement. And what follows that uh, is the holiday of Sukkot, uh, or uh, sometimes called Tabernacles. And uh, it's actually just coming this week. It's a seven-day festival. And with actually, there's an eighth-day festival that comes right after that, all talked about in the Torah. Uh, it's celebrated by Jews to this day throughout Israel and actually throughout the world. And as we'll get into, there, there's a Christian component uh, to it as well. There sure is. One of the things that uh, we as Christians believe is that uh, when the Messiah comes, that he will not only his, establish his kingdom and rule and reign from Jerusalem for a thousand years, but that it will include all the observances of the feasts of the Lord, because when God gave the feast to his people, he said that they were to be a lasting ordinance. And so um, we have a growing appreciation and value that's happening among Christians, Harold, as you know, uh, during these days where the walls between Christians and Jews are coming down. And this is such a great uh, observance that we're talking about today because it has a lot to do with the reminder that not only did God tabernacle with his people, but the rich fellowship and the enjoyment of um, what these days consist of. So I think it's it's really a, a great topic for us today. Yeah, and actually, as you mentioned that, maybe we, we, we'll do this maybe in the reverse order of what, what we've we've often done, but uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about uh, what's become a very strong Christian connection. You know, for the reasons you mentioned, and in, in the book of Zechariah, uh, or Zechariah in Hebrew, uh, chapter 14, verse 16, it talks about the survivors from all the nations. This is in, you know, the time to come. Uh, survivors from all the nations will go, it says, will go up year after year to worship the King, the Lord Almighty, and to celebrate the festival of tabernacles. It doesn't say that about any other, in any other holy day in the Torah, but the festival of tabernacles, Sukkot, it specifically says, you know, the nations will come up to Jerusalem. Uh, interestingly, there's a, on, on Sukkot, like all holidays and on, on Shabbat, uh, there's a portion from the Torah that's read and there's a portion from the prophets that's read. And Zechariah 14, which contains this passage about the nations coming to Jerusalem uh, to celebrate Sukkot, is, is read by Jews the world over on, on Sukkot. But what we have today, and, and actually this will, I think will make a great backdrop for then you know, the holiday itself, 
We have this phenomenon where the uh, Jews have returned to the land of Israel and you know the Jews are in Jerusalem again after 2000 years and 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 things have really changed and and the words of the prophets are are coming alive before our eyes as we speak and in that context now on on Sukkot there are many Christians around the world who take this verse very seriously and you find on Sukkot not this year unfortunately because of uh, COVID, but in, at least in the pre-COVID era, and hopefully very soon again, you see thousands, uh, sometimes seven, 8,000 Christians from, uh, they come from China, they come from Korea, they come from the U.S., they come from South America, they come from everywhere. And this huge parade of Christians in Jerusalem uh, that goes through the streets of Jerusalem uh, on Sukkot, on, on the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, and, and it's amazing when you think about you know, the 2,000 years that, that has actually brought us to this point, that there are now thousands of Christians uh, around the world coming to a rebuilt Jerusalem where it's a, the Jews have come home and are actually, you know, doing this, uh, you know, trying to fulfill this verse uh, that Zechariah said uh, thousands of years ago. Yeah, I've, I just find this to be so amazing. And, you know, you and I have talked about this numerous times over our years together, and that is we're living in Bible times. And this is certainly one of those pieces that comes to life. And then to see that there is a melting together of Christians and Jews in, at, at a variety of different levels. But in particular, this particular feast and festival is celebrated with a lot of Christian people making their way to Jerusalem. Now, this year, it's, it's, it's difficult simply because of COVID, you know, but it doesn't mean that it has to diminish the wonderful weight of what this particular festival means and why God set this apart. So the people are getting together, they're celebrating, they're, they're thanking God for the bounty that he's blessed them with. They're, they're praying that God will send the rains, the fall rains, so that um, the, the ground is water and the, and the crops can grow. So this is a big deal. And one of the things about Sukkot is this thing called a sukkah. What is a sukkah? Tell us about it and, and how you personally uh, experience that. Well, so you know, we call it uh, the, or it's commonly called uh, in English, the Feast of Tabernacles. But what is a tabernacle? It's it's the actual uh, terminology in Hebrew. If you when you look at the Torah, it's the feast or festival of booths, as in a booth. Uh, and a sukkah is 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 the word. So uh, sukkah comes up in in several contexts in the Bible, but essentially it's some kind of a canopy, some kind of a shelter. Uh, outside, you know, you, you it's not thought of as a house, but it's thought of as a as a shelter. And uh, I just want to back up in a second because uh, we'll talk about where this idea of a sukkah comes from. So, go to Leviticus twenty three, verse thirty four, and then it comes up again, Numbers chapter twenty eight, and uh, that's where God is basically saying, "Say to the Israelites, you shall." And He goes through. There's a list of you know you shall celebrate any uh, the dates, specific dates in the Hebrew calendar are given, and you know it says of the of which month and which date, and we have the seventh month. Uh, so. In, the, in terms of Hebrew months, what's called the first month is Nisan, 
which is the month of the Exodus from Egypt. So that's the month that Passover appears in. So seven months later is the month of Tishrei, and that's where you have Rosh Hashanah, you have Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and then you have on the 15th of the month, it's, uh, it says in Leviticus and in Numbers, say to the Israelites on the 15th of the seventh month, it says there shall be a feast of booths to the Lord, and it says it's the last seven days, and it says the first day shall be a sacred occasion. That's really like a quasi-Shabbat, um, but it, it goes through for seven days. It says, you, and then you should not work at your occupations. And then it also mentions, and we'll get to this too, there's this kind of mysterious festival on the eighth day. In Hebrew, it also says you shall uh, observe a sacred occasion. In Hebrew, it's Shemineat Zeret. But uh, it's usually translated as the eighth day of assembly, which is about as close as you can get to it in English. And that one, it actually doesn't say what to do with it. It's very interesting. But this Sukkot that comes before it, the seven days, it's very clear. And the first, there, there, there's there's two main parts of it. We'll get to the um, palm branches and all of that that you wave in a second. But but uh, that's one thing. But the, the main thing is it says, and this is uh, verse 41, uh, in Leviticus, you says you shall observe it as a festival of the Lord for seven days, uh, and seventh month, as I said, um, and then says you shall live in booths, Sukkot, booths, seven days. All citizens in Israel of Israel should live in booths, in order that future generations may know that I made the Israelite people live in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. So you actually see that uh, throughout Israel. You, you go to any town, any city in Israel, you will see uh, what's called a sukkah or in pl a plural Sukkot, you will see them literally dotting the landscape, every house, every porch on an apartment, whether people are devout religious, not so religious, almost everybody has a Sukkah. And uh, everybody takes their meals in the Sukkah. Uh, some people actually sleep in the Sukkah, uh, but it's a very different, very special time. And I love that because um, I remember numerous times seeing the little Sukkahs that the Israelis put up um, for this particular season. And it's it's intriguing because even in the high rises, there's a little balcony and there, there you'll see a sukkah, you know, fixed on the balcony so that that person who's living in an apartment can still actually fulfill what the word of the Lord has asked of them. Because this is, this is always the unique part that I find so fascinating about the Jewish people in the, in the mind of uh, the Jewish people across uh, millennia has been after the word of the Lord is given, the two questions, what does this mean and what must I do? And so <laughs> this is the fulfillment. When you look and see these sukkahs everywhere, that this is exactly what they're doing. They're, they're, they're fulfilling this. And uh, I, I think it's fantastic. But um, what takes place in the sukkah? You're going to have uh, some meals, right? And as you mentioned, some may sleep there. But uh, is there any particular foods that are connected with this particular festival? Well, so first of all, it's very much meant to be, um, uh, as far as being in the sukkah, it's, how do I want to say this? Well, first of all, in terms of foods, uh, Rosh Hashanah is more, uh, which comes a few weeks before, that's more, you know, honey because the idea of a sweet year and also pomegranates because they grow that kind of year and there's some symbolism that goes with it. Yom Kippur, there are no foods, obviously, because there are, it's a fast. 
Sukkot per se, there, well, there, there are, there are uh, vegetable products that you actually wave in the air, which we can get to, but it, it's mostly just a time of, uh, there's a lot of eating, uh, just like there would be uh, in, in any Jewish holiday that's, that's not a fast day. Um, the main thing, though, about the sukkah, though, is that it's a temporary dwelling. Uh, in fact, there are even rules regarding its construction. You're not, you don't have a permanent roof. There are these uh, usually palm branches that go on top. The idea is you're supposed to be able to actually see the stars out of them, uh, just as, as the ancient Israelites did in the desert uh, when, when they were living in booths. Uh, because the idea is just like in the desert, because this is a commemoration of uh, the booths they lived in when uh, they were living in the desert coming out of Egypt, just like in the desert, the idea is that is this is not supposed to be permanent. This is not your house. So you eat in it, you sleep in it. You know, you spend a lot of time in the sukkah, but there's this idea of this uh, this uh, uh, temporary nature of it. And this, there's a great symbolism there because the idea is that, you know, sukkah, as I said before, is this idea of shelter. But the idea is that when you're in your house, you tend to, unless a hurricane uh, comes along or something like that, you tend to think of it as pretty permanent, but that's an illusion. And the sukkah tells you that that's an illusion and the only real shelter uh, is in God himself. That is such a good, that's such a good thing that the Lord, when he put this together, he has, with all the feasts and festivals, he has great purpose. And there's uh, messages being sent and there's reminders and there's these observances that are being kept so we don't forget the goodness of God and his faithfulness. So God is dwelling with his people and he is living among them, if you will. And this, uh, as you've done a great job helping us see some of the uh, observances that take place, there's there's another one that you've kind of touched on and mentioned it, which is what's referred to as the four kinds. Let's uh, help our listeners understand what, what does that mean and, and, and why is that a part of this? Yeah, so that also comes, it's uh, four kinds or four species. This comes directly out of the Torah as well. We go back to Leviticus 23 and we get to verse 40. And it's one of the more curious, uh, there, there are several passages, you know, commandments in the Bible that, uh, you know, we might look at and say, okay, what's this really about? Uh, this is one of these uh, that definitely falls into that, that uh, there, there's a lots of symbolism that uh, people have connected with it, but, it, you know, it can seem like a little bit of a strange commandment, but there it is in the Torah. So it says on the first day, meaning the first day of the festival, of the seven-day festival, you shall take the product of Hadar trees, which is uh, what's called an etrog. It's it's a citrus food fruit, a little bit sort of like a lemon, not quite, but in but uh, much bigger than a lemon. But that uh, that basically gives you the picture. So here in verse forty, Levit, uh, Leviticus twenty-three, you'll take the product of Hadar trees, branches of palm trees, bows of leafy trees, which is understood to be the myrtle, and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. And there are several things here to unpack. First of all, this idea of rejoicing comes up a lot. And the idea with uh, Sukkot, with uh, tabernacles, is it's not this idea of you're under God's protection, that it's God's shelter, God's sukkah. And the idea is you're supposed to actually rejoice in that. So... There are these four things, the etrog, the palm trees, the myrtle, and the willow. And if you come to Israel or if you go to uh, most synagogues in, in America on, on Sukkot, 
uh, you'll see during the morning service usually, uh, sometimes people will do this in their sukkah as well, you'll see people taking, uh, it's this long, you know, ba basically palm, uh, palm branch that they hold it together with uh, the etrog, the, the myrtle and the willow. And there's a whole thing where you, you basically shake it just as it says uh, in the Torah. And the way we traditionally do it is you do it in six directions. So front, back, uh, each side, up and down. And again, the idea is, you know, God is everywhere in all directions that, you know, God completely surrounds you. Um, just as an aside, and I, I've never solved this mystery, and I'm not sure anyone else has either, although I, I know there are various um, explanations of it. But, you know, in the New Testament, uh, it talks about the you know with with Jesus entering Jerusalem and you have Palm Sunday because the people are waving palm branches and what I've always found interesting is uh, what it actually sounds like is Sukkot which happens in the fall um, so I'm not sure exactly you know the explanation for that but but uh, I, I think there's a there's a case to be made that. Uh, you know, Sukkot somehow fits into this because, uh, again, what, what's described with the palm branches is, is exactly what Jews even to this day do uh, on Sukkot. Yeah, this is always this is always great. This is always fascinating. Are are you attending synagogue during these days? Are there special prayers that are connected with this particular holiday? Yeah, there are there are special prayers. Uh, there are well, there are services each morning. Uh, there's it's a little longer than what would be a typical weekday service. It's more like a Shabbat service, so there are extra prayers specifically for Sukkot. There's a section also that's called Hallel, uh, which means uh, praise as in Hallelujah. And uh, what that consists of, it's a series of psalms that are specifically psalms of praise, uh, you know, praise to God. Uh, uh, and in fact, it's during that that the, the, the four species are, are waved. So that's a part of it. There are also uh, there are there's a Torah reading each day, and there's also a reading from the prophets. You know, as, as I mentioned, it comes from uh, Zechariah. That actually, you know, this is this is understood to be a uh, a holiday that's for um, all of the nations. In fact, uh, it enumerates. You know, when the temple stood, there are various sacrifices that are brought. And it enumerates those. And basically, if you add them all up, uh, it comes up to the number 70, which in, in the Torah, you know, numbers mean a lot. And the 70, uh, or 10 times 7, you have the seven days of creation. That's the creation of the whole world. And 70 is the 70 nations. Uh, and that comes up in several places. So there's a Jewish understanding that those, those sacrifices in the temple actually were supposed to be for uh, the entire world, not just the Jewish people, but you know, for, for, for the 70 nations, for everybody. That's interesting. You always do such a good job at pulling these little uh, <laughs> you know, pieces out that just are, um, you know, it just underscores the, the, the meaningfulness of this. So during this time, are, are people working? Are you going to work? Is it uh, one of those that you, you take those days off? How does, how does the life of Israel get impacted by this? So a lot of people take off and not, I mean, there are people obviously who are working because there's, there are, there are certain uh, professions where, you know, just out of necessity, but a very, very large percentage of people take off. Schools are closed. The, the most, the best analogy I could give would be, uh, you know, Christmas vacation week uh, or possibly spring break week. 
in in the U.S. Uh, you know, if you have that between December 25th and January 1st, there might be some people working, but a lot of people take off and kids are not in school and that's vacation time. So Sukkot here in Israel is very much that same atmosphere. Um, the kids are not in school. You will see people going all around the country. In fact, the roads are pretty clogged. You have to kind of plan in advance so you avoid traffic jams. Uh, the museums are full. There are events going on all over the country. The restaurants are full. Uh, you know, every, everybody's basically out for this. And, and I would say, you know, religious, secular, it doesn't matter. Um, it, it's just part of the rhythm of the country, uh, you know, even beyond the, the religious significance of it. Back in the day when the temple was still standing, historically, the celebration always involved uh, water. Water played really kind of a key piece in this observance where water was drawn from the Salome pool or the spring, and uh, it was with great ceremony, I think, that... um, that water was taken up to the temple itself. And um, some of those origins that are really talked about throughout the Hebrew scriptures mainly, I I remember uh, Isaiah 12, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. And there was was this uh, great procession, and then there was um, great illumination there at the temple uh, during these days, I mean, since the destruction of the temple, there's been so much lost in in historical Judaism, and so you 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 have to find these other ways to still carry out what you're describing for us today, and understandably so. But there was some. This was a this was a big deal. This was something that had a lot of of fanfare to it and a lot of celebration and a lot of remembrance and and so when we talk about you know building a sukkah and attending uh synagogue and reading the scriptures and saying the prayers it still kind of pales in comparison to what historically the jews had had observed for several thousand years yeah, well, I mean, obviously, we're still we're still praying for the temple, and uh, the in fact, in the prayers uh, for the state of Israel that are said every Shabbat, uh, the 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 establishment of the state of Israel is referred to in those prayers. Uh, I'll say the English translation as the first flowering of our redemption. The idea is like this is the beginning. Um, and in fact, that's what many of the the Muslims are concerned about. That uh, you know, ultimately, there will be a temple built up there. Yeah, I mean, certainly, um, you know, although we have the Temple Mount, we don't yet have the temple again. And uh, that that does put limitations on certain things. And it's, as you say, it's not quite what it was. But I'm really glad you brought up about the water ceremony, uh, because that is a very important point. There's another piece of Sukkot. The weather patterns in Israel, basically, there's a rainy season and a dry season. So, for example, before Sukkot, let's say starting from around Passover or maybe a little after Passover, so we're talking about April and there, until September, basically, possibly October, there is no rain at all in the country. And then you have the rainy season starting right after Sukkot, usually, uh, and then going again through Passover. 
It's interesting because once you know the weather patterns, or the, or I should say the rain patterns, there are a number of passages in the Bible that become much clearer because when they're talking about drought or they're talking about the rains coming, and, and they actually fit uh, within these patterns. So this water festival that was observed in the temple really makes a lot of sense because it, it was really celebrating the fact that you know there's going to be rain on the way that now you know rain in israel is seen as a blessing because you have all these months without it and then all of a sudden it comes and it's you know uh, water is is life itself so uh so you have this ceremony but i, I should mention it's uh simchat beta shoeva in in hebrew and again simcha is joy and again that that same theme uh, so it was celebrated. There was a water ceremony in the morning in the temple, and then every night in the outer temple courtyard, uh, you know, they say tens of thousands would appear uh, for the Simchat Beit Hashoeva, this rejoicing uh, of the place of the water drawing, uh, and you know there was all of this celebrating. So we don't have the temple; we don't quite have that. But I will say, although it's not universally observed. If you go particularly around Jerusalem and you know, certain neighborhoods uh, where you'll find particularly religious Jews, you will see uh, still, uh, even to this day, a recreation of uh, of this Simchat Beit Hashoeva, this, this water ceremony, uh, with, with, again, thousands and thousands participating and dancing and rejoicing, uh, you know, very much as a recreation of what take, took place in the temple. So, uh, you know, I guess what I can say is when the temple is finally rebuilt, um, you know, there, there are a whole lot of Jews who are, who are ready for this. Well, as we've talked about right from the very beginning, and as we always take the time to talk about these holy days, it's, it's to be a lasting observance, something that, you know, I believe that Christians and Jews will celebrate together, and it's already happening, but um, uh, it's, it is going to be um, uh, an amazing thing when all of that really does come together, as you've just described. So, Harold, we've pretty much uh, shot the clock down on this uh, topic, and it's been so good. And uh, I wish all of our Jewish friends a wonderful Sukkot, a wonderful Feast of Tabernacles. And uh, I'm just so grateful that God has included that in his word, and and we get a chance to better understand it. Why don't you... um, Give our listeners an earful of how they can connect with us. So best way to connect with us is through our website, theteacherandthepreacher.com. You can send us a message there. You can also listen to any of our archive broadcasts going back several years. You can get a sneak preview. We've got the schedule of the upcoming broadcast. You can read our blog. And last but not least, uh, you can donate. There's a donate button. And the reason for that is we are on the air completely because of the generosity of you, our listeners. And I will just tell you that we actually have a dream, uh, a vision, as it, as it were, uh, to ex- to really expand this. And we want to expand to New York City. That's a market of 17 million people uh, to hear this idea of Jewish Christian bridge building. This is the first time this is happening in 2,000 years. And we want to bring it to a lot more people. Uh, so if you're so inclined, uh, you know, once you've listened to the broadcast, you've contacted us, feel free to donate. We're, we're actually trying to raise about $20,000, which will enable us to defray the cost of bringing this to New York City, uh, but will greatly expand our reach. Uh, you can also uh, contact us uh, the old-fashioned way, the teacher and the preacher at gmail.com. Also go to our Facebook page, The Teacher and the Preacher. We have daily updates there with news you often won't find elsewhere, as well as our Twitter feed at The Teach Preach. 
I love it. Thanks again for your listenership this week. Until next time, may the God of Israel, who never slumbers or sleeps, may he watch over Israel and the Jewish people, and may God bless America. Amen. The teacher and the preacher will be back next Sunday for another discussion on how Christians and Jews can come to once again proclaim that the United States is truly a Judeo-Christian nation. To contact the teacher and the preacher, email them at theteacherandthepreacher at gmail.com. That's theteacherandthepreacher at gmail.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and give you shalom. Shalom.